First thing I'd like to say this morning is Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. <coughs> and if you are a dad in the service, um, whether you whether you're a dad and you've you've had kids biologically or, or you've or you've been a dad to somebody, would you please stand up? All the dads in the place, please stand up. Let's give these guys a hand. Good boy, they got a job. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. Hold on a second. Keep standing. <laughs> I just want to tell you I love you, and I appreciate you. And I don't want you to think that I don't know that the world rests on your shoulders, through the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know where the well stands and where I stand. It is my passion and my pleasure and my mission is to see you come to a deeper relationship with Christ in such a way that it affects your family and everybody around you. And I want you to know that I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if we have a chance to reach our city, if we have a chance to reach our kids, if we have a chance to make a change around here and effectively change the world, it will be as Jesus uses and changes you. That's truth. Truth. Which is a weight. But we can be thankful because Jesus is the one who shouldered that weight. So my prayer for you is that you would press into Jesus. That you would be sharpened and used by Jesus. Changed by Jesus. Pushed and motivated by Jesus. And picked back up when you fall by Jesus. So that's my prayer for you this morning. I'm going to pray right now for you as you're recognizing this place. Jesus, I lift my hand toward these men, toward these fathers, these dads. And I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ that you would shape and mold them and use them and set them apart for your glory. God, I pray through the most powerful name that exists that has ever been spoken by the lips of man. Jesus, that you would enter into these guys, even in a deeper way if they already know you, or for the first time if they don't, so that they can have power, so that they can have excellence, so that they can have authority and boldness and forgiveness and, and, and mercy, confidence and compassion to go about your business changing the world starting at their house. You will change people today. You've told me and I believe it. You will change me. You will change my heart. I will walk out of here with more confidence today, more boldness today, more authority and more power today because you are doing something in this area. Whether these guys are from Landrum, Lyman, Campbell, Bella, it doesn't matter. You are moving. And you will continue to move today, throughout this week, and throughout their lives. We have seen effective change through your power, through your word, and through your ministry. And we claim that this morning. We will not leave this place till we see you move, till we feel your power, until we see effective change in our lives. We claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Another round of applause for these guys. You may be seated. I've got a word for you this morning coming out of 1 Timothy. We've not moved. We've not changed. That's how effective God is and how He plans. I did not look this far ahead. I'm not that much of a planner, but God knew exactly what He was doing. It just so happened that this morning that we fell in line with the qualifications of an overseer, the qualifications of an elder. And so this morning it perfectly lined up with Father's Day and a sermon geared toward fathers and speaking toward fathers and, and calling and motivating fathers to be better dads to be better leaders, to be better motivators, to be more forgiving, but to be more powerful. Power and gentleness are the same thing. Perfect humility, leading in a world that will not be led. Leading in a world that is continually pushing against you, pushing back on you, and trying to change and turn you. But today we make a stand in Jesus Christ, saying that Jesus Christ has changed us, and we will be effective agents of change in everyone around us. 
You see, I've been praying about this and, and seeking this, and this has been my passion for a long time. And, and as I was uh, interacting with some friends last night, we were at Wesley's house last night, and we were talking with them, and he said something to me last night that maybe they thought joking. I said that I'd be in the sermon, but it didn't. God spoke to me last night, and he said that effectively in my life and in his life and in a lot of lives here, you are generational breaks. Generational breaks. You are you are places of growth, circle breakers, game changers. Because before before you, your family was headed down the wrong path. And we said when we started this church is that we want to we really want to change the world. And I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. I'm serious. Yeah, I'm serious. We're going to change the world. And I'm not kidding you when I say you can be a part of that change. Because what I know in my life is that God has used me. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm smart. Not because I'm able. But because He is smart. He is able. He is good. He is powerful. And He will use you too. You see, my son will not be the same. He will not grow up in the same environment. He will not grow up without a chance. Could he walk away? Sure, he could. But I'm praying to God that it won't be because of anything that I've done. That I'll run the good race. I'll fight the good fight. And with your help and with God's mercy and His holding hand, we continue the course. We stay the course. And we continue to fight. Today's message is called Rock Solid. Rock Solid. And I, I want to challenge you men here today. To listen to what God would say to you today. That you would listen to the voice of God and as He speaks to you, as He shows you, leads, guides you, that you would see the places where you have fallen and that you would lean on Him so that He could pick you back up. It's time to cut the sin out of your life. It's time to go to war. It's time for us to step into the gap for our children. You see, we're so busy fighting our own wars and fighting our own sins and trying to do our own thing that we do not realize that we are the ones who make war for our kids. We're so busy with our own sins and our own little battles and our own mistakes that we completely leave them out to defend themselves. And not only are they stuck with the demons, they're trying to fight against them, but they have to deal with our demons as well. Enter in through Jesus Christ. Secure the victory because it's already won. Put that bad boy to death and then go to war for your children. Listen to God today. Listen to what He might say to you. At the end of this service, you'll be ready to repent. To repent from your sins. To repent from times that you've been a coward. To repent from times that you've went the wrong way. To repent of times that you've dropped the ball. And come in to a closer walk with Jesus Christ so that you can stand tall. It's all about Jesus. I'm not telling you that you need to shape up and make sure you do right. I'm telling you to rely on Jesus. And He will make you into the warrior that you never even thought you could be. This is not a game. This is not play. This is not a hobby. We're seeking change here. Real change that effectively lasts a lifetime. Let's get into the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is talking about the qualifications of elders, pastors, overseers. All those words are synonymous. They're interchangeable. And so you might say, well, what does this have to do with dads? This text, this set of scriptures right here is talking about what a man needs to look like, how a man needs to act, how he needs to walk, how he needs to carry himself in order to be considered for the office of elder, for the office of pastor, for a lead position in the church. And what he's going to say at the beginning of the, of the, script, of the scripture is that anyone who seeks this office seeks a noble thing. Bottom line is, not all of you will be called to be pastors. Not all of you will be called to that position. But every one of you are called to be qualified. And I would say, look at your life today. 
Look at the Scriptures. Let it be a mirror to you. And you need to look at your life and you just say, God, where am I at? Because a good man will look like this. Every man in this place may not be called to be an elder, but you should be qualified if God ever did call. You need to be a good man. You need to have character. You need to have authority. You need to lead your family. Can you say that? Can you say that? If you cannot say that, your family is hurting. But to be able to say that is a step of what? A step of faith that would cry out to Jesus and say, change me because I'm helpless without you. The text says, 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Depending on how you break it up, we have here roughly 13 qualifications of what I'm going to say a good man. A good man. Now, if you've been here at the well for any amount of time, you know that we are not legalistic, that we understand that, that it's not about pursuing a certain type of life or regarding a certain set of rules so that God might grant you access to Him. We do not believe in works-based salvation. We don't say, do these things so that God will love you. We say you fall into relationship with God, you fall in love with God, you give Him your life, and then He will start to shape and mold you so that you look a certain way. So that the law of God is not a set of rules by which we enter into relationship with Him, but it is a description of one who has entered into a relationship with Him. Bottom line is, it is not how we get to God, but it is the way we go once we have seen God. We come to Jesus Christ, we come to the Father, we come to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are not good enough, you cannot make it, neither can I. That's why Jesus Christ went to the cross and He said, I'll go to war for you. You see, He's not calling you to do anything that He's not already done. Your children need you to go to war. Your children need you to understand your weapons. Your children need you to stop playing games. Your children need you to see Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and to never relent again. To move. Go to war. Jesus went to war for you. What I want to do is I want to go through these uh, qualifications. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each of them, but I want to hit each one of them. And I want to give you a brief understanding of what that means and what God is looking for uh, as evidence in your life that He is interacting with you, that you are walking with Him, that you are talking with Him. And what I would say is that some of you already know off the word go that you're not where you need to be. Because you know that you don't do warfare, that you just go through the motions. We say here continually that we need to live life on purpose. How many of you are letting life just slide by? How many of you are trained? How many of you are, are studying the enemy? How many of you are looking for gaps so that you can make a break? Sharpen your sword, young soldier. God is about to use you. If that's you, as we walk through this thing, I want you to continually pray. What I want you to do is continually pray. And I want you to say, God, show me my error. And God, show me your glory. Show me my error and show me your glory. And if you're here today and you know Jesus and you're fighting a good fight, but it seems like Satan is getting the best of you, then what you pray is, Jesus, show me my error and show me your glory. It's all about Jesus Christ.
It's all about the glory of Jesus Christ. The first qualification that we have that we run into, or the first little set here, let me, let me go ahead and do this. The first verse says, the, the saying is trustworthy. If anybody aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be, and then he goes and he starts the list. First of all, you need to know that just because we stand on grace does not mean that you can live however you want to live, whenever you want to live it, whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it. Is that we are to be men of integrity. There is a certain air about you, a certain way that you live, a certain way that you carry yourself. And you're not ugly, you're not looking down on people, but you got your nose to the grindstone, you got your face in the Word, you got your eyes on Jesus, and people are not diverting you all the time. Caught up in this and caught up in that. Men of integrity. It says an overseer, anybody that even wants to be considered for this office, for authority, for leadership, they must be. This is not a gamble. This is not a request. This is not some soft-handed little something. Jesus is saying, man up! There's something I've got for you. Too many boys around here thinking, oh, it doesn't matter if I sin. <clears throat> I say the same thing sometimes and then Jesus just drops the hammer. We think so lackadaisical about our sin. We just, we just brush it off. But Jesus was murdered because of it. First thing I want you to know this morning is your sin matters. Your sin matters. And it's working against you every single day. John Owen said you must continually be killing sin or it will be continually killing you. That's fact. If you are not killing sin and killing flesh by the power of Jesus Christ, then it is killing you. The first qualification that you must meet is number one, to be above reproach. To be above reproach. What does that mean? Above reproach means that there's nothing hidden in your life. You don't have a separate life that you go about. It's that you live out in the open. Nobody can reproach you. Nobody can come back on you. Nobody can come back and say, yeah, he says that and he goes over there, but man, you don't won't believe what he's doing on the weekends. It's that you're wide open. You're out in the open. You see, every good king in the history of the world had one thing in common at least. All the great kings had one thing in common. And it was that they were out on the battlefield. That they were out in front where everybody could see them. I'm right here. Let's go to war. I may get hit. People may say that I'm, I'm crazy. People may say that, that I'm a fanatic. But I'm here. You can see me. Do you live out in the open? Are you full throttle? Are you transparent? Or you got a lot of stuff hidden in the closet? Be all man. Live out in the open. Be above reproach. Don't let these little things, they're like, they're like little, little followers, little taglines, little ropes following us, and we're going down the trail of life and Satan can just grab them at any time but she yank us back. Cut those things by the power of Jesus Christ and the sword of the Spirit. Live one way. Live one direction. Don't live double lives. This is the same principle as don't play church because that's stupid. If you want to do a hobby on a Sunday, pick another one. Church is a hobby. It's silly. So much other things you could be doing other than this. But you let Jesus Christ pour into your life and change you from the toes to the top of your head. Man, let God live through you. Man, be a man. That's what today is about. Number two is he must be the husband of one wife. Now there's a lot of confusion surrounding this one and, and a lot of different interpretations and people want to say different things. And I'll tell you, our understanding here at the well, and I believe it's right, or I wouldn't believe it, is that what this means is when, when it says the husband of one wife, it doesn't mean that you've got to be married and only married to one woman at the time because that would disqualify Jesus. If you've got to be married to a woman to be qualified, then Jesus was never married. That disqualify him. Some people say it means that you should have never been divorced before. Now, this, this is touching. Because a lot of people will not allow a man to participate in the leadership of the church if they've ever been divorced before. I have a slight problem with that. And after a well, while, we don't land there. And I'll quickly tell you why before I'll tell you our approach to this particular text. 
throughout this whole text here. We believe in grace. We believe in redemption. We believe in forgiveness. We believe in Jesus Christ taking dead people and raising them up to life in the newness of life. Brand new people. Brand spanking new. We've got brand spanking new people sitting in here today. Who you cannot look at them and say, yeah, but, because Jesus said, yeah, but, that's cut off. It's back there. And so what we understand the text is that the problem is, is that this whole list, you can't pick out the one and say, oh, well, he messed up on this one sometime way back there. He's disqualified from now on because we've all fell in all of these. You're going to see that it says he can't be a drunkard. He can't be a lover of money. He can't be violent. Man, I'm, I'm messed up. <laughs> I'm sad because I have been drunk before. I have loved money before. And I've just whooped some people in my time. We got problems. Who, somebody want to come up here in my place and I'll come and take your place? The problem is all of you have too. All of you have. And it may not be because you were a drunkard at some point. It may not be because you love money. But one of these areas you've fallen. And so we can't pick out one and say, since you messed up in this one way back then, we can't let you be qualified as an elder because you have to do that with all of them. Consistency says, and this is where we land, this is our position, is that this is a changed, renewed, one-woman man. One-woman man. Now, this must be taken on a case-by-case -case basis because what I don't mean is like, you know, he's had four, but this is his one for right now. <laughs> oh. We need to have seen effectual change in his life, and we would go back down here to, uh, or back up to above reproach and down to he can't be a recent convert. If you've been divorced in your past and one day you'd like to be considered as elders, as an elder or an overseer or a pastor in the church, that's a possibility. But it will be on a case-by-case -case thing, and we will need to look at your life. And say you were you were divorced ten years ago, but God came into your life nine years or yeah nine years ago, and He ravaged your soul and He changed you. And that's not the same man. You see, I'm, I've been married to my wife now, coming up on nine years, which is pretty cool. But even since since we've been married, God has changed my life. But since we started dating, sixteen years, almost sixteen years, sixteen, yeah, seventeen. Huh? Well, yeah, coming up on 16. I'll, whoo, uh, that was stupid. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> but see, I'm, actually, we started dating in high school, and I'm not the same person that she started dating. And sin has abiding results. It really does. So we're still, even to this day, I, we have a great relationship. I love my wife. She's very patient with me. But we still have to deal with some of that stuff. I treat her horrible. But she knows I'm not the same man. So I get a pass on some of that stuff. I'm not the same guy. That stuff was killed on the cross of Christ. And so that's where we land. We believe in grace. We, we believe in redemption. Now, if you got divorced a year ago, and three months after that, you were with another woman, we need to talk about that. You know, we got a little bit of a problem. We got a little, you know. Bottom line is, is that we're, we're to be like Jesus. Jesus was a one-woman man. You were his bride. He stuck his eye on the prize and he never let off go. He never touched a brake. He never let off the gas. He was after you. He, were, he was pursuing you. Relentless after you. One-woman man. And guys, let me tell you something. If you're with your wife right now, if you're with with a, a lady that you intend on marrying. For those of you who are with someone you intend on marrying, come on. You know? Let's, let's do that thing already. And for those of you who are with them, pursue her. Pursue her with all that you've got. One woman man. Just like Jesus was with you. One woman man. Number three, sober-minded. Sober-minded. Bottom line is a man needs to be able to make good decisions. A man needs to be able to make good decisions. You need to look at the situation and you need to weigh it out. Way too many guys, and I do this at times too, especially I'm very sporadic. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, one simple man, there you go. You know, God told me last night that this is going to be a powerful service today. I don't know why. I'm kind of an idiot. But God told me it's going to be a powerful service. I get here this morning, it's like the enemy comes in, right hook, left uppercut, right uppercut. I'm like, what 
what's going on? All kind of crazy stuff this morning at the well. But God said, it's me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about Jesus. Men, we have got to slow down. We've got to live life on purpose. We've got to look at the situation. And we've got to say, what does this mean for me? Who does this affect around me? What does this do to my testimony? How does this affect me personally in my walk with Jesus Christ? Am I going to love Jesus more after I do this? Or am I going to be ashamed after I do this? Is this building up or tearing down? Would I want my kids doing what I'm doing right now? You've got to be sober-minded. You've got to be willing to think about what's going on around you. You've got to make good decisions. You've got to weigh it out. Too many people just walking through doing whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. Men of integrity, think about it. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Observing and seeing what's going on. Man up. The fourth is self-control. He must be self-controlled. This one goes hand in hand with the last one because what we got a lot of the times is a guy, and I've been here before, we got a guy who's looking at ladies, uh, you know, you're not exempt from this. This is for you too, okay? We got people who, who look at the situation, they're saying, hmm, I don't know about this. Oh, what the heck? We'll do it anyway. Self-control is being able to look at a good decision and follow through on that good decision. Self-control has been able to say, okay, I'm looking at the situation. I've got A, I've got B, and I've got C. A is terrible. I know it's a sin. B, I feel like I might could get away with it. And C, turn the other way or do it, whatever's going to glorify Jesus Christ. A, it's terrible. B, what can I get away with? And C, this is what's right. Self-control is being able to say, this is the way I'm going. I made the decision, this is the way I'm going. So many of us look and we know what the decision is. We know exactly where we need to go. We know exactly what we want our kids to do, but we go the wrong way anyway. And let me tell you something right now. You are not going to decide today to be self-controlled. In the book of Galatians, it has the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. That is not your fruit. Do you understand what I'm telling you, men? You cannot beat sin. It will beat you down. It will make fun of you. It will laugh at all of your attempts. Jesus Christ is the way to overcome sin. The only way to overcome sin. And the Holy Spirit is the only self-control that you'll ever have. If you want it, you want to man up, you want to have integrity, you want to make good decisions and then follow through on them and be self-controlled, it'll be through Jesus and Jesus alone. You see, it's all about Jesus. Number five is that he must be respectable. He must be respectable. So many men won't respect. They won't respect. They won't respect, but they're not respectable. They're not respectable. I deal with this sometimes at, at my work, you know, I have people who want to go to work for me or they want to talk to me about this or about that or want to have input on this or want to have input on that. I'm all about sharing the workload. I'm all about trying to uh, delegate responsibilities to other people. And I love it when a respectable man who has integrity and character and is trustworthy comes up to me and says, what can I do? I'm like, I've got a list. But so many times I have young kids or young in their faith or not numerically young, but emotionally, spiritually, and mentally young. I mean, I think there was a bust about two weeks ago, a bust of a meth lab. And these guys that were busted, I think four out of about six of them were over 50 and 60 years old. I'm like, you've had 60 years to get smart, and you're still dumb. Is that too hard? That's true. I know guys who hair slam fell out because they were cooking meth. 
I'm like, it don't take a genius, man. Your hair is falling out. <laughs> this is not good. But so many people want respect, but they're not respectable. They're not respectable. And I know some of y'all are bald and y'all don't put mess, so don't take that as <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's looking over at the other guy. Be respectable. You know how you look, we, we do this all day long. You know how you be respectable? You enter in through the victory of the most respected man in all of history. Even by his enemies. Even by his enemies. This is not this is not rocket science. Get in the word of God. Plant your feet in Jesus Christ. Give your life to Him. Submit. And then you stand under the authority that belongs to Jesus. Don't you know He's the baddest man to ever touch the face of the earth? And He's looking at you saying, Want to be on my team? You can have my power. You can have my victory. You can have my bold, boldness. You can have my authority. Jesus Christ, let's go farther. Let's go harder than we've ever gone before. Because your city needs you. Your kids need you. And look at the people around you. You are being used by God to change the world. And I look at my son, and I know, and nobody can take it away from me. Nobody can take it away from me that God has used me to partly change the world. And I look at my son, and I know nobody can take that from me. Because that's what Jesus has given me. Guys, it's time for us to link arms. It's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to go after it. Start living life on purpose. Number six is that he must be hospitable. He must be welcoming to strangers. Now, there's a certain level of discernment that needs to go along with that as well. We need to, to be able to understand and discern, okay... This person needs this much from me and, and it's okay for me to give it. This person needs this much from me and it's okay for me to give it. But you've got to understand that as a man and as a woman, you only have so many yeses. You only have so much money. You only have so much time. And so we must be balanced. We must be balanced in all of these, but we must be balanced in this one as well. You need to help people. You need to love people. You need to spend money on people. You need to pray for people. You need to be welcoming into your home. And you need to, you need to uh, accommodate and, and see a lot of that. But what you don't need to do is put your family out so that you can bring a stranger in. Be well-rounded. Give. Yes, give. But don't give. So, so many times, and this applies most heavily to me and to Wesley and to Martin, to Hamill, to those of you who are ministering here, to those of you who are in leadership positions, and some of some of other ones of you out there too are very generous. You've got to be careful. You cannot give so much away. One of the most astounding things I ever heard, and I never thought about this before, but I heard a guy speaking and preaching, and he said, you only have so many yeses. You only have so many yeses. And the more yeses you give out, the less you have. So once you run out of yeses, because you only have so much time, you only have so much energy, and once you run out of yeses, you have to start giving out no's. So the more yeses I give out to this person, the more no's I have to give to my wife. And we need to give yeses. We need to pursue. We need to be generous. But we need to make sure we hold on to enough yeses that we can give our wife and our kids and those around us a lot of yeses too. You can't give away too many yeses, but we must be hospitable. Number eight, he can't be a drunkard. He can't be a drunk. That's kind of understandable. <laughs> you ever say, I think you need to meet Jesus. That don't work very good. Call you Lord, let me tell you about him. <laughs> That's that last I checked. That did not work at all. I don't know. 
Jesus can use anything, right? God is all powerful. Somebody got saved with that. I doubt it. You know what I'm saying? Very highly unlikely. This is not just talking about alcohol. This is just talking about addiction. You don't need to give yourself to something that's going to control you and take you to a place that you don't need to be. In your mind, in your actions, alcohol lowers your ability to make good decisions, to be sober-minded. It affects your ability to be self-controlled. Now, I don't have time to go into this here, and, and nor do I have the energy at this moment right now. Drinking alcohol, nowhere in Scripture is said to be necessarily a sin. It's always talking about being drunk. The problem is that you give yourself away. You give your mind away. You give yourself away and must take yourself out of the control and the pursuit and the, the, the love and the passion and the drawing of Jesus Christ and you give yourself to something else that's pushing and driving you. It's just like anything else. A lot of the times, a lot of things are amoral. It's neutral. It's not television. It isn't necessarily a sin, but it can very easily become a sin. To just ignore your family and watch television all day long. To never pick up your Bible but continually watch shows that, quite honestly, are just stupid anyway. We are not to give ourselves away to these things. Whether it's passion, whether it's drugs or alcohol. Whatever else it might be. You give yourself to Jesus and Jesus alone. And you live in the freedom that He has you. You live in the authority that He's given you. And you live through that boldness. Don't give yourself up to drunkenness or, or addiction. Something that will control your mind and move you and lower your ambitions and lower your, your integrity. Lower everything about you so that you just fall real easily into sin. You see, is this drawing a picture? We're talking about a man who's a man who's not moved. And he's only that way because he's locked down on one thing. The immovable rock of Jesus Christ was rock solid. Jesus is calling you to be rock solid. To make good decisions. To be able to say no. To be able to say yes. To be able to say not right now. To be able to do what you need to do. He's calling you to grow a pair. He's calling you to stand up. To be a man. To make the right decisions. He's calling you to be a man. Let's move on. Number nine is not violent, but gentle. He, he can't be violent, but he's got to be gentle. You see, some of us are just mean all the time. You know? Just mean all the time. And I get that way. My son's in here right now. He can come up in a minute. But sometimes, you know, I try not to be mean. And I'm not talking about discipline. Let's go ahead and make that distinction. I'm not talking about discipline. Sometimes, sometimes I have to be tough. And that's not me. I mean, he would say, you know, that's me. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about unjustified, unreasonable, just meanness. And sometimes times I'm going, I'll have a bad day or something. I'll be short. What? And he'll, he'll say, why are you being so mean? <laughs> And sometimes I'm like, I ain't being mean. <laughs> but then sometimes the Lord is like, yeah. And then you know, I'll be like, I'm sorry. And I'll realize that he's not done anything to me. He's not done anything to deserve any of that. But I'm hammering it. The Bible says that we're not to be violent. We're to be gentle. I had a good example of it this morning. You know, sometimes in ministry we, we do things that, that we, don't, we don't really think about and, and we have expectations on people and this and that and this and that and you know sometimes we just get frustrated and sometimes we want to we want to act out in fleshly terms and, and say well why aren't you doing this why aren't you doing that but I had an example this morning I had a little situation but it was handled so great and so wonderful and we saw a, a gentleness come out that Jesus Christ had to instill you see Jesus looks at you and you spit in his face and you murdered him on the cross you know that was you, that was your hand, that was your sin. The Bible says that he, that he put a human suit on him. He came in the flesh and though he had no sin in him, he took your sin and he put it on his back 
and he walked it up Calvary. And every lash that he took that ripped the meat off of his back was because of your sin and my sin. But he looked at us and he said, it's okay, I got you. This is for you, not against you. Saw that love and that grace this morning. Gave me encouragement. We need to be gentle. We need to be welcoming. You see this picture of a strong man who can't be moved. He's, in, he's got a lot of integrity. Makes good decisions and stands on them. Nobody pushes him around, but at the same time, he's very easy with those who need to be easy. And he can scoop up a child and hold it and be silly. You know, so many of us are just making how you like music at the well? There's I. <laughs> and you, you want them to, but you're thinking, if I raise my hand, somebody's going to think I'm weak. And so you like this. Ain't nobody going to think you're weak. As a matter of fact, it takes a lot of guts to do that. We're growing. We're growing in that bad boy. I'm, I'm excited about that. We're not violent, but we're gentle. Jesus Christ was, was the extreme... The extreme um, the supreme expression of that. He was the toughest, most authority, boldest man that's ever walked the face of the earth. Yet he was so gentle. And all the kids just loved him. They would run to him, jump up in his lap, and all the disciples were like, get off of him, you little brat. My paraphrase. And Jesus was like, hold on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you tell these they can't come to me. You see that? But gentle but bold at the same time. All these men are like, get out of here, you little rat. And Jesus is like, well, I told him about that. Come on over here. It's perfect. Perfect balance. Number 10 is not quarrelsome. You know, we've been doing this deeper study, and, and we've been talking a little bit about nagging. You know, the Bible says, better live on the corner of the roof of the house than in the house of a nagging wife. Know what I mean, Amen. Amen. Man, you crazy. I set y'all up so bad. My bad, that was just funny. This, this call in, a, in the life of an elder basically is saying no man nagging. No man nagging. No whining. Put your big boy panties on and get out there and do what you need to do. Strap your boots up. Now, of course, we're not saying you just need to struggle. You need to get into the Word. You need to, to, to get into Jesus. You need to put you some music on. You need to worship. You need to be changed by Him. And you need to hit the ground running. Get out there. Get involved in the church. Get involved with some of these other men out here. Go on fishing trips. Talk about Jesus. Talk about your struggles. Talk about what you need to do to step up and to be a better man. You see, it's not just about coming to church and going home and coming back to church. It's about being a better man. Amen. Take it home. Yep. Don't stop here. This is just a little bit of a beginning. Jesus Christ is wanting you to be the best man that has ever been a part of your family. And you pour that into your children so that he then, she then, is the best one that's ever come up into your family. And there are powerful warriors for Jesus Christ. Not that they are something, but that Jesus is everything. And they're focused on him. And they're living that way. Don't you see? We really can change the world. We really can. Because I pour into my kid, and he pours into those around him, and to his children, and they pour into theirs, and they pour into theirs. Jesus is using you to redeem the world. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And you're part of that. You're part of that. We've got to stop worrying about our own little agendas. And while things ain't going my way... Quit your man nagging. Focus your eyes on Jesus. Move that way and stop your man nagging. I'm going to use that. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Man nagging. No whining, Miss Prius. <laughs> you know, it's just time for us to man up. Me too. i got a lot of work to do, fellas. But I'm looking for you to sharpen me. And I'll sharpen you. I'm looking for us to enter into this battle together with Jesus Christ in front of us, in front of us leading the way. He must not be a lover of money. Must not be a lover of money. This really ties back to the drunkard part. 
The bottom line is you can't be so wrapped up in one thing that it takes your focus off of everything else and it hinders you from doing the work of God. You can be addicted to money just like you can be addicted to, to liquor or wine, beer, or whatever, drugs. You can be addicted and it will completely rob you of your ability to be used by Jesus Christ. You see, the problem is not necessarily these things because money's not bad. The Bible says that the money is a root to all kinds of evil, but money itself is, is again, it's, it's neutral, it's amoral, it's not, it's not neither, it's, it's neither here nor there. Money can be used for great things, just like televisions, and you know, it can be used for great technology. My note is right there, not all over money. Where's the sub note? Technology. <laughs> You can't be so wrapped up in it that it's just consuming you and leading you and directing you so that you're not being used by God. You can't be greedy. Me, 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 me. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> I, was, I was not planning that. It was on pitch. wasn't on pitch. You can't be consumed and pulled that way and drawn that way. You've got to be freed up by Jesus Christ to live your life. You see, if Jesus is your Savior, this is, this is money being a functional Savior. Alcohol being a functional Savior. I can't last. I can't be happy. I can't be fulfilled unless I have money, 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 money. Or unless I have alcohol to, to, to dull my pain. Unless I have drugs to dull. Unless I have sex to make me feel worthy. Unless I have a boyfriend to make me feel this or make me feel that. Jesus Christ is the fulfiller of your life, not those things. Go ahead and come on up, Titus. If I were you guys, I would take a look at my life. This is what I need to do. This is what you need to do. We've got to look at our life and we've got to say, what, what is the controlling factor in my life? What do you live your life for? What sways you? What moves you? What, what causes you to be who you are? If somebody would say, this is what they stand for, and this is what they do, and this is where they're going, what would it be? What would it be? What's up, buddy? Say hey. <laughs> that is not hey. I don't know. Say hey, guys. <laughs> oh, you was shy. Say hey, guys. <laughs> you want to say hello? Right here, say <laughs> they could not hear that. Go ahead, say that. <laughs> Go ahead. You'll be able to do it. Huh? Listen, you cannot give away what is steering you and guiding you being Jesus because He is the only one that leads straight. He is the only one that makes your path straight. He is the only one that leads you to be the man that you need to be. Enable, to enable you to look at your child and say, be like me. Not because you're great. Don't make, don't make any mistake about that. I know, I know you're, you're flawed. I know that you failed. But if you understand it's not about you, not only is it not about you when you have to lead and push that way, it's not about you when you fall in. It's about Jesus Christ. And you lead in the power and the victory of Jesus Christ so then you can look at that boy and you can say, you follow me as I follow Jesus. Do not be led by anything else. Be led by Jesus. Now can you say, hey guys. It's okay, go ahead. Hey guys. Yeah! Woo! Okay, you sit down. Oh, you. <laughs> the next part, and what Titus is going to help, this is Titus. This is my oldest son. He just turned six years old. And so Titus is going to help me today. He likes to help me to preach sometimes. Tell him he can help me today since it's Father's Day. And so he's going to help us with our next point. The next point is, is that you must be able to manage your own household well. If you cannot manage your own household, how in the world can you ever expect to manage the household of God? You've got to lead your family. You've got to be there with them. You've got you to lead and you got to submit to God so that you can be used by Him in order to lead them to the place that they need to be. You've got to. Without Jesus Christ, you're going to believe, be leading in your own direction, which is never the right direction. There's a way to seek right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So you're going to help him? All right, you tell him, tell him about leading God's family. 
can do it, Thomas. We can do it. It's for Jesus. church and uh, I went to church and took my family to church most all my life and uh, I've been involved in different aspects of the church and, and different things but uh, I always kind of question my salvation you know I, I have friends get saved and you could immediately see a change in your life and I felt like that never really happened to me and uh, I felt like I've just been going through the motions just going to church because that's what you know you're supposed to do. June the 2nd, uh, my son invited me to come visit the well with him. And uh, after listening to Brandon's sermon and can relate to so many different things in my life, it just, I was standing there and was praying during the altar call and uh, it just came over me like never before. And I'm, I'm got my head bowed and I'm praying and got my hands kind of folded and I noticed the teardrops were hitting my hands. and. Uh, my son looked up at me and says, uh, 
get him to go with you because he knew right then, you know, and uh, went down and laid it all there, left it all right there. And uh, I've never felt that before. Uh, when I went home that afternoon, I felt so relieved, like say if you'd done something like run a marathon or something or, or something incredibly hard, it just, it was gone. It was just the sense of a huge burden had been taken off of me. Uh, I started going to the well in March, and uh, I started going to the well, you know, I saw a change in my life, you know, because I constantly, every time I was there, I felt spiritual building around all the people there, and, you know, I'd been going there, and then my dad uh, was talking about going there one day, a couple Sundays ago, and so I invited him to go, and we went, and uh, that Sunday, my dad had never been the same. My family's been a little skeptical, I didn't kind of like, why now? You know, and a lot of times, you know, you call on God when you're going through a hard time or something bad's happening, somebody's sick, you're in financial trouble or or trouble in general, you know, you, you, you put God over in a corner and when you get in trouble, you go get him and when some of things get good, you go put him right back over there. Something I prayed about is, you know, my dad being that spiritual leader that I always wanted to have, you know, he's my best friend, but now every morning when I wake up, my dad sends me a Bible verse to start off my day, and he's just been a completely changed man, and he's helped me in the last couple weeks, just not as a father, but spiritually, you know, not only just showing me what a father's love should be, but showing me his father's love, you know, the king and God, and it's just, it's amazing how God just works. I never would have thought that that Sunday, that, that day to change my dad's life like it did, and, and uh, really did. I've only been going to the well for a few weeks now, and it, to me it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, the people that are there, they're not there to play church. It, they're there seeking God. You know, the music, you can, you can tell everything's, you can feel the Holy Spirit just move in on the place. And, uh, you know, it's neat that that many people meet there at a school auditorium and have such an awesome service, you know. Um, I've been going to well since March, you know, a couple months now. And there hasn't been a, a service I've been there that I haven't felt God's presence. And uh, it's certainly, there's people I know that have been there that's changed their lives and it's changed my life. I feel like I'm a stronger Christian because I've been going to the well and I'm a constant spiritual building, you know, with people from the well and things like that and I'm involved in <clears throat> I'm involved in church you know at the well and it's just a great place um, I'm looking forward to seeing what that God has prepared for us to do I mean <clears throat> I don't know what he wants me to do but I'm not gonna say no I don't, I don't know another way of putting it I, I feel compelled uh, I'm excited about that you know I think there's about 20 of us 20 30 going so that's a big group, and you know, Overflow, there's, a, there's been a lot of salvations that came out of Overflow, and that, that's all that really matters, is you know, people getting led to the Lord, and you know, I feel a strong call to help you know, those guys out there, especially be a good example of those guys. Like I said before, I've been involved in church all my life, and uh, I've played, to me, I feel like I've been playing church. There's a song talking about going through the motions, and that's what I feel like I've been doing. So after June 2nd, when I, I feel confident without a shadow of a doubt I reached salvation, uh, I'm going to get baptized today as a, a public statement of the change in me. exciting to me right there because Terry's just one. I go around the room and I see others that that I'm talking to that they're coming to me and they say my life's not been the same. I want to give God my life like I've never given him my life before. Living in the living in the South, you know everybody says, yeah I know Jesus. Literally. Like you could be at the meth lab. <laughs> With no hair. 
But there's a difference in knowing about Jesus and being radically transformed by Jesus. I want to have all the men come forward. And if you will, like the mothers did on Mother's Day, come out into the aisles and swing around and come down the walls. We've got to give for you. Come out in the middle, come out in the aisles, go up the aisles and around down the walls. Today, God is calling you to stand up. Today, God is giving you your stones back. He's giving you a pair that will last. He's giving you the courage and the boldness to be who He has called you to be. And so today, our gift to you, Christ's gift to you, is a pair of stones that you can hold on to. And remember that God is calling you to be a man. Come on, stand up here, guys. Don't go back. Stay up here. He's giving you your stones back. Rock solid. To be able to stand in the gap. To be able to go to battle. To be able to go to war. For your children. For your wives. I want you to look at that pair of stones in your hand. And I want you to realize that Jesus Christ is calling you to a place that you've never been before. To make decisions that quite honestly are hard. They're not easy. To be above reproach. To not ever be a drunkard. To be a one-woman man. To be respectable and hospitable. Not a lover of money. To lead your family. See, what you need to realize is, is that Jesus Christ is that man to which you must be going. And he has raised his arms high and said, if you will come to me, and I'm talking to you, man. He said, if you will come to me, I will give you strength like you've never seen. You see, I'm but a man. These are just, Wesley's just a guy. You're just a guy. Jesus Christ is the God-man. He was a one-woman man. You were on his mind. He was coming after you. He never relented. He never turned away. And though it would have been good for him to get a little drunk at the end to numb the pain, he never did. He took the beating without even opening his mouth. Isaiah 53, 7 says, Like a lamb led before its shears, he was silent. And though they beat him, and though they, they were relentless in their pursuit of his death, he was silent. He made the right decision. I'm asking you today, and this is our invitation today. My question to you is, who here will make that decision for Christ today? Who here will say, I'm set apart by Christ and I will never turn around. I will go to war. Who will be the first? There's one. Amen.
We've got men standing here who have lowered their guards. Come on up here, son. Here's a man right here who gave his life to Jesus last week. These men are stepping out. I'll make another call. It's the day, the day of your salvation. There's a man right there. God is moving here today. These guys, these are men. These aren't boys, these are men. These are men down here. World changers. World changers. He's doing it, guys. He's doing it here at the well. I make another call. Who here would be saved today? Who here would come forward? Who here would set themselves apart for Jesus Christ? There's another. I'm, I'm amazed. There's another. Yeah. 